Are tuned into the Power Chord Hour right here on 107.9 WRFA, as well as the Power Chord Hour podcast. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this, however you are checking it out, thank you much. I'm your host Anthony Merchant here with you, and we got two guests on this one. We got JD Pincus and Mike Savino just put out a uh, brand new record. They uh, put out a uh, basically I don't know. There's not really there's not a name to the project, but it is these two doing a uh, doing a brand new record together of uh, some really good banjo music. So we're going to talk all about that. You may know uh, JD from uh, his bass playing and butthole surfers in the Melvins. Now you hear him on the banjo. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk to JD and Mike. JD, Mike, how you both doing? Doing good, man. Yeah, well, that yeah, album, the album does have a name. It's actually called Ponder Machine. Or Ponder. Mm-hmm. I guess not that. I should say the project. Yes, I, I messed up on oh, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ponder Machine. But <laughs> you don't have a name for the duo, right? Is it is it just JD and Mike? We talked. We talked about doing that. Well, it was actually our original idea was to have a different name for it, but the uh, the record companies thought that was a bad idea. <laughs> did you get to the? May I ask? Did you get to the point of uh, of of having a couple that you thought they were going to be, or did you not even get to that point? Well, I don't know. Pinkus always has a few in his pocket, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Some of them are more fitting than others, uh, but yeah, we we had some ideas. But yeah, when when we were told uh, that it would be best off if we used our our own names, then uh, we decided to stick with the program. It was easier that way. I like it when people make those decisions for us. <laughs> like going to the beginning of this, like even before you guys like really started writing, like that, the like even before the stage of that. Like how far back did this project kind of come together? When, when does the beginning of before you even start playing the whole like, hey, like let let let's do something together, let's do a little project. Like when did talks of that begin? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I I can answer that. Um, well, funny thing is, uh, you know, JD and I have been kind of Instagram friends for. Uh, more years than we know each other but you know someone had sent me his music or you know and said hey this uh there's this crazy guy out there doing this psychedelic banjo music <laughs> you should check out and you know and we kind of got to know each other on the uh on the internet as uh two kind of wandering psychedelic banjo folks uh out there touring and um right at the beginning of the pandemic jd sent me a message asking if i was still living in Asheville, and um he said he had just moved there from Austin and he sends me his address and he's literally three minutes up the hill from me. So, you know, we became kind of pandemic buddies. Um, JD's blessed with a, a nice uh, deck out there that he's sitting. And uh, yeah, we just kind of sat out there and uh, started playing banjo, you know, together, socially distanced and, you know, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a pandemic blessing, you know. Yeah, when we started we started talking about doing songs together at that point because you know uh, you know why not we we're already kind of playing songs together, and uh, then after that we got uh, uh, we started uh, well we talked to Kramer about doing something together he wanted to uh, he brought up the idea as well, and we started working on some songs not knowing exactly what we were going to end up doing, and uh, that's when uh, Kramer came in with a plan that he didn't tell us about. 
until after the record was done. And so we had we had recorded a, a lot of music and played a lot of music together. And some of it, uh, actually, I was just uh, working on some some of it in my studio that's going to be on uh, uh, my next record that Mike has been involved with. It's kind of like some of the stuff that didn't fit in with this last one uh, for, for what we were trying to get done, which we didn't know what we were trying to get done. So we got some really cool shit uh, <laughs> of different styles. And we're hoping to do it again. We were even uh, discussing that and uh, talking about that with Crane. We're doing a follow up, and uh, it's just a lot of it's a lot of fun working like this. And uh, we did a lot of pre work on it, but then we we got in the studio, and it was uh, it was just ten days of just doing, you know, not talking about it, just doing, and uh, and it, it was uh, it just it was nice to watch something evolve that you know we really had no idea. Uh, Kramer will say he did. He kind he has just said he was very awful at, at communicating his idea with us because we had no idea. But <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it all came together beautifully and organically, and uh, and I, I couldn't be happier with uh, with the way it turned out. I, I was going to ask, but I feel like in that you even kind of already answered. Like I was wondering how, like if, if you had a if you had an idea of what you wanted the band to sound like and all that. At, or you know the project going in but it sounds like the sound of it and everything probably just kind of unfolded you started playing together but i mean it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of going into it like this is what i want to do let's try to get this sound out of it i mean is it safe to say that, that kind of developed as you two just kind of started playing together yeah i would say to me i just want to answer the, that uh you know we ended up using pretty much acoustic tracks for our banjos when we were playing uh, there was there was times where we were all about our pedals and our noises, and then there was time when it was acoustic. And both of us, when we play live, we're pretty much going through our rigs, and we can get a clean sound if we want to get a clean sound, but it's not the same as being mic'd up and having that pure tone coming out and then mixing it with what me and him know and love to do, which is make a lot of noises as well. So it was, it was, uh, uh, you know, everything was seemed really organic and acoustic and uh, simply, simply recorded to get really a pure sound out of it, which was different than the way I record. I record a lot of the times the way I'm going to play live, uh, and and so it was nice to 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 blend all those sounds together. Did you record? I mean, was the album recorded in in Asheville? Did you just record it there? At Mike's uh, uh, studio, Galley Studios. Yeah, well, I'm down here right now. It's kind of a studio I built in the basement uh, of my house during the pandemic. Um, yeah, I had a lot of extra time. So I ended up, you know, building out a studio here to, to record and stuff. And this just kind of this is one of the first projects we did here uh, in this studio. Um, you know, it's not very big, probably about 400 square feet, but it sounds really good. And uh, yeah, like J.D. was saying, uh, this this record was very spontaneous. I'd I kind of didn't really know what we were doing when it, everybody kind of agreed. Kramer was down in Miami. He's like, I'm coming up. And I was like, okay, let's block out our calendar. I had no idea we'd be like locked down for 10 days making a record. But, you know, 10 days is a long time and a short time at the same when you're making a record. But this was a very spontaneous album. JD and I had been up on his deck kind of picking through a lot of his songs. He's a great songwriter and like, you know, I was learning all his music and I kind of expected that we would record a lot of that music, but Kramer was so enamored with the 
our sounds, you know, JD and I are both banjo players with uh, with serious pedal board uh, addictions, and uh, you know, we've both got a lot of crazy sounds going on, you know, beyond the scope of normal banjo. So when we put all that together, Kramer was like, "Oh, we need to uh, capture this." So he. You know, we recorded a lot of music in 10 days. In fact, we made Ponder Machine and pretty much half of JD's new record as well, like in the 10 days of, you know, music that we recorded. Um, you know, and then Kramer kind of just, after the 10 days, he kind of took it and uh, and just made Ponder Machine, cut up some of the improvisations into, you know, he just went mining for diamonds in the, in the coal. So it was pretty fun to hear yeah. what his interpretation. He was like the third member of this, this group, but um, yeah, it yeah. was very spontaneous. I remember the, the tune Ponder Machine, the, the banjo song was uh, JD wrote like in, you know, we, we took a little field trip out to our, our local banjo shop, Pisca Banjos, where I get all my instruments. And uh, we took Kramer there. And while Kramer was shopping around for a banjo, JD just came up with one of these. Uh, he came up with a tune just like playing one of the the uh, showroom banjos. I, I think he probably didn't even know what tuning it was in. I think, he, yeah. if I remember correctly, <laughs> it was in a weird tuning, and he just came up with this tune. And we drove back to the studio and we recorded it just like that, you know. So yeah, when Kramer left with the uh, the studio to bring the stuff with him, he more or less just continued what we did at the studio. Uh, it wasn't like he took everything and then stripped it all back down and built it back up. He, we really did a lot of, of how it was going to sound by the time we finished working on each of those. Yeah. He definitely went through and polished uh, everything. Yeah, and that's kind of, yeah, that's the beauty of Kramer. Kramer has a real knack for discovering, you know, for knowing what's good and saying, okay, let's not touch this. This is good. And he's, you know, he's mixing and it, as he's recording so it's like the sound was already there for the record you know yeah there were no surprises as far as uh getting the mixes <laughs> back you know uh, it was a surprise definitely like what he did with the improv stuff because he picked two and a half minutes for the album of four of our songs which were 15 minutes long and some of them are probably like me screaming but they're like "Fuck, my pedal's not working god damn it <laughs> that's probably in the long version on the cassette tape somewhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's in you, there. regarding your studio mike i mean do you use that mostly for like recording and working on your own projects or i mean do you do you record other bands and, and do other projects as well at that studio um well yeah all that um you know like i said it's it's fairly new i think this studio came together in uh i want to say like november of 21 or something like that that's probably when I uh, start. Well, no, actually, maybe August of twenty one. I think we started recording here. So yeah, two years. It's been kind of like you know going, but yeah, I started producing other people and making other records as far as as well as my own and this and you know, um, yeah. It's not really a, a big goal for me to like you know become like you know a crazy producer or anything, but I do enjoy doing that um, with the right people, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, before this, I have all this recording gear, I have all these instruments and, and before this, I was always traveling and like finding strange places to set up for a month and record, you know, I've done like, you know, different people's farmhouses and, you know, some 
you know, crazy places tucked in the woods to make music. But, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I'm moving all my stuff. I'm rewiring and, you know, it was a lot of work to do that. I love it. But it's nice to have a place where everything's set up and I can just press record anytime. So it's definitely increased my output and, uh, you know, and increased my desire to do more collaboration, you know, with you folks like that. Do you enjoy Sandra. that? that like, like, I mean, I know you were saying, like, you're not trying to be like, you know, producer extraordinary, anything like that. Do you like the side of like, I guess, working on people, other people's music where like you can spend two days trying to get the perfect like snare tone, like trying to fine tune everything. Like, and I, and actually, I mean, I kind of, I was kind of going to ask you too, JD, because there are two musicians where like, I mean, obviously you got to go in the studio, but some musicians like that fine tuning and the playing around and getting it. Others like, just give me the fuck out of here. Like, let me do my thing. And like, let me get out of the studio. Like I get, where do both of you fall on, on that spectrum? It's a fine line. I would say, I would say you can't pro tools, a good song. You just have to have a good song. Mm. And, uh, you know, so, you know, there's plenty of examples out there of, of poor recordings of great songs. I'll listen to it anytime someone puts them on and enjoy uh you know uh, i think that's a fine line because you know when you if you capture something and and say one of the mics is is blown out or you know it's like you're getting this non-musical noise out of it and you missed it uh then you know that's that's it but you know to me i'd like to look at things more like it's a uh, snapshot of the people playing the music at that particular time and you could always do the song any other way any other time with any other people and so just try and make the most out of the situation that you're in and uh, and don't let let the little things, you know, uh, you know, affect your performance. How about, how about you, Mike? You know, where do you, where do you kind of fall in on that? I, mean, I know you got the studio, but that doesn't yeah. automatically mean you uh, love doing all that. No, I do love it. I love it. I've always loved I from the first Tall Tall Trees record. I recorded myself and I, I've pretty much done it i've worked in some studios as well but like i'm always been like you know had my hand in in making the sound the way i want to hear it but you know i I, i've definitely learned over the years how to not obsess over a stupid snare sound for hours and hours you know it's like that stuff is you know people get too crazy about that and jd's right you can't pro tools a a bad song It's it's a good song good music will sound good if it's recorded on a cassette or if it's recorded on like a you know hd pro tools or you know it's it doesn't matter you know the the music is the most important thing so but i love being in the studio mostly because i i love to just create things and see and be surprised by you know mostly mistakes you know (laughs) but you know that's uh yeah i i dig recording it's something that i've always loved doing um but yeah i've learned in my older years to not obsess over dumb stuff just move on and make more stuff you know uh more important you know you did you did mention that that the tall tall trees uh because i was gonna say you know like i mentioned with you know jd i'm sure a lot of people know like butthole surfers and the melvins and all that i know mike i mean you do tall tall trees you want to talk about that for a second like how long you've been doing that project like you know kind of kind of talking about what you both do outside of uh the duo here. He's got a new. He's got a new record that's actually about to be released right now. So it's a perfect. Oh time really? To talk about oh yeah. 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 One on Joyful Noise, and then one. Yeah, this one was on Shimmy Disc, and the one he's got coming out, uh, uh, Stick to the Mystical, is going to be out. Uh, mm-hmm. What? Like Twelve days. 
Yeah, something like that. Uh, November, uh, November, September eighth is coming out. So I guess that's just about two weeks. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. That's a, that's the record I made after this. Um, another collaboration with uh, with my friend Josiah Wolf from the band Why. Um, I don't know if you guys know the Cincinnati band Why. Really great friends and like amazing music, but. Yeah, Josiah and I have been friends for over 20 years. We met in the bowels of New York City playing jazz music, full contact, muscle jazz. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we were doing that that hassle. And we had a connection for, in that day, and we maintained it you know, through these years. But yeah, this is the first time that I invited uh, him to collaborate with me. And yeah, we made it kind of similar to, uh, to Pincus and I. I've kind of learned in this uh, Kramer Pincus session, like to not be so precious about it, you know, just to try and capture something, you know, and not obsess over what it should be or what it is. And and this new Tall Tall Trees record is very much that. I like, first time I really just like let fly some like raw improv stuff and some in instrumentals. And yeah, Josiah and I could just like, kind of the same thing with Pincus. We, you know, I had a bunch of songs written for this record that I was playing through and, you know, me and Josiah played them and recorded them. But in the end, we just got into improvising and the things that we were improvising were so much more interesting than the songs that I wrote to me. You know, so we kind of, you know, in the spirit of like, you know, collaboration and, and making things quickly and not obsessing over things. Yeah, that's this new record is very much that as well. So. Yeah, it's a busy year. It's fun. I've never released two records in one year before, so it's kind of uh, it's exciting, and I'm glad to have uh, some new music in the world, especially varied. You know, it's very different from Ponder Machine, but but yeah, Tall Tall Trees has been something I've been doing solo for about ten years, and I had a band for a few years after that under Tall Tall Trees as well. But it evolved into a solo project because having a band is is difficult and financially prohibitive when you're starting out so um even now <laughs> it can be financially prohibitive so but um but yeah it's it's a yeah it's been my my baby for almost 20 years wow so jeez yeah Did that new album i mean I, I take it you you uh recorded that or worked on it in your studio there as well yeah yeah recorded it all here uh three different different sessions me and josiah um just kind of laying into it and then uh yeah me just kind of polishing it up later and then kramer mixed and mastered that one as well um in which he took the tracks and like gave me a sequence like for the album that made everything make sense and uh yeah it was cool um yes yeah for uh you know going going on to uh you know we talked about already a little bit but like songwriting for like ponder machine it's kind of i don't know it's interesting because again i mean it's not like you're a band where you go like oh do you have a general songwriting process this or that but like for this album was there generally uh, would you say there was a general process to each song or did that very much vary from song to song i think it varied from song to song but we we came in both of us had songs that we were gonna do but uh i think kramer was more interested in it didn't he didn't really want songy songs as much as he wanted to uh, uh to go to a different different place 
and uh and so that's what we ended up doing but we did have like uh we did have songs that we were playing together that we went over and talked about how we would do it and we didn't do most of them uh, so, uh it was uh it was it was yeah it was it was beautiful the way it came about I mean, you know i brought in uh instrumental and i said at the breaks i just want us to picture that we're in three different locations uh when it gets to the end of this 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 uh part and uh i didn't know where those places were i thought maybe the desert would be a nice place for one of them and and then mike is like oh well, check out this scale and then you know we started working with some of that stuff but it was, it was just it was beautiful to bring concepts and have people that you do you know could could say you know sprinkle some vanilla on it and they'll understand what you mean you know uh you didn't have to be specific it was all we're in the same headspace yeah and uh, you know we, we, we all we all did mushrooms during the session although kramer had to leave and go hide for somewhere and go sit on a rock for two hours <laughs> we got a lot done during that time we sure on. did what you talk about is fungal mountain breakdown that's one of the tunes on the record and it's it's a really good example of of what kind of evolved uh what kind of came out of this session you know what bubbled to the top is the realization that we're kind of taking a um you know a banjo duo two acoustic banjos you know in appalachia and filtering that through our twisted sense of psychedelia and improvisation and, you know, adventurousness, you know, the thing about traditional music and, you know, we both live up here in the Blue Ridge mountains and there's tons of traditional music and history and it's deep, man. It's very deep. And like, you know, not a lot of people mess with that. Yeah. As he was saying though, uh, yeah, that's, is there, this is a town with many traditional banjo players and many experimental musicians. Uh, I don't claim to be a bluegrass musician. I love I love playing bluegrass, my own version of it. You know? uh, but what I play, I call space grass. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, uh, I would I love to sit in on bluegrass jams, but no one's going to be impressed by my, uh, you know, I'm not a Scruggs style player. Who, you know, Scruggs was like, you know, say uh, when Eddie Van Halen came around on guitar. All of a sudden, it changed the way people looked at guitar. Uh, I like to go back more to the old roots, like uh, uh, Ola Bell. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's there's just a lot of a lot of uh, good mountain pickers out there with great songs before uh, before playing Overdrive came in. You know, uh, it's, it was kind of nice to take that and that that aspect of the Asheville Mountains and then mix it with the uh, the psychedelia. No, actually, and I, I want a good time to talk to you about that part, like, you know, with the banjo, because again, I mean, obviously a lot of people, you know, probably associate you with bass, but like, where does banjo come in? I mean, did you play banjo before you played bass? Where, where does that come into music? Was that even your first instrument? No, it wasn't my first instrument. I, I, I fell in love with it at a young age, but I didn't really, still don't, uh, but you know. I still don't know what I'm doing with bass either, for that matter. I'm a wrestler at both of them. But, uh, yeah, I learned in Atlanta when I was a kid. My sister played piano, so I would always hear music. And uh, and I, I think that's where I kind of understand keys and changes. I never was schooled for any of that. I took a guitar lesson when I was probably nine, and uh, the guy wanted me to play Puff the Magic Dragon. And 
I didn't know how cool of a song that one was at the time. And I told my mama I didn't want to take lessons from him anymore. Yeah, so then I, I was taking electric guitar lessons from a, a guy that played guitar in Mother's Finest, a big influence on my early ages of music. And uh, and that's when I realized I actually wanted to play bass because I remember asking him uh, to teach me how to play guitar on Brick House. And, uh, and I, what I really wanted to play was the bass part on it. So he's like showing me all these weird chords and shit for what the guitar player is playing. I was like, no, dude, I want to play that other thing, man. And so I was probably like 11. And, and uh, that's when I got a little Fender Mustang bass and started playing from that point on. And uh, I, I really regret the dude, the one guy I took lessons from when I was a kid. Sorry, guys. Hey, yeah. The one guy I took uh, took uh, lessons from when I was a kid, he uh, told me that that, that was a, a good starter bass, but I could never... Uh, you know, I could never use that bass professionally, and I wish I had that little Fender Mustang so bad. It was such a cool little bass, but uh, but yeah, then I played banjo uh, when uh, I got a little older and got a cheap banjo. And I'm on an old. I played it with the Flaming Lips live. I played it on a, a Butthole Surfers, uh, a Butthole Surfers recording. And with John Paul Jones playing bass and Paul playing guitar and uh, King playing congas live, was never in my 15-year-old uh, high times uh, weed-smoking dreams that I think I'd be playing a banjo song I wrote with the bass player of Led Zeppelin sitting next to me playing bass. You know, so, uh, but then I took a break from it for like recording with it, and uh, then I started playing some songs on like on a hockey record and stuff, and. My buddy Danny Barnes, who's my uh, my banjo guru, uh, I've always loved uh, his open interpretation of the banjo and music in general. And he asked me to do some songs. Uh, to He liked my songs and wanted to do a cassette tape. He has a cassette label that he started after Steve Martin gave him $50,000 for banjo excellence. And so he wanted to give it back to the community. And so he started Minner Bucket, Minner Bucket Records uh, which is actually cassettes, and uh, and he would he would draw like in with an ink pen his uh, his cover on it, and he wanted it to be like a tape that you would give to your buddies or something like that. And so there were two hundred of those, and then uh, they sold out. And I asked him if I could print some uh, some vinyl and CDs, and he gave me the thumbs up, and that's how I started doing uh, you know my banjo stuff that way. And then I recorded at my house. I have a a little studio here. I don't even know if Mike could fit in here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect for recording a solo album. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's what what I, I finished my second one up during the pandemic, and then we did the Ponder Machine, and now I'm actually mixing songs that we did. Uh, Mike's on some of them, and I just I brought a drummer in from New Orleans for a couple of tracks to record at his place because I don't have room for it here. So uh, just sort of did that, and this album's gonna be songs that i wrote for the butthole surfers about five years ago uh when we talked about doing a new record and oh, yeah. that that didn't happen so uh actually have paul on it and some other musicians on it uh uh a bunch of you know i got i got trumpet harmonica got john spencer's uh uh and quasi's uh synthesizer player sam coombs on some of it and then the other side is uh, stuff that I did with Mike 
and outtakes from the other stuff of me and Mike were just in hysterics laughing about, <laughs> uh, throwing down stupid lyrics on, uh, and then some, you know, some more rock kind of stuff and some some uh, weird stuff that's in between. And so he was heavily involved on that side. So it's kind of like two different records and uh, play a lot of bass on it. He even plays bass on it. And uh, it's going to be called Grow a Pair. And so it's going to be a pair of albums in one nice. album. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Each good. Side. Good <laughs> to have you back, Mike. Where'd you go? Yeah, man? yeah. I forgot to plug in my phone. You know, like it's necessary. I thought this thing ran, ran on love, not truth. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was going to ask you, leading, leading with that as well, like I'm a bass player, but besides I think one time I fucked around with a banjo, like obviously they're two different instruments, but how drastically different? Is it a totally different monster bass and banjo? Or are there yeah. techniques from bass that you can apply to banjo? Like, can can you take your style and technique from bass and apply it over to banjo? I think the other way around for me, but uh, I, I, I applied things that I did on banjo to bass. But I think uh, me and Mike were actually talking about it because Mike was a bass player first, too. So, oh, so you can both answer this. Yes, yeah, so we yeah. can both answer this. Uh, to me, it's a, you're, you're, you're being able to do melodies and you're being able to do uh percussion and you're being able to do lay lay down uh a bass line with some other stuff going on and so to me it's more natural than playing guitar i'm i'm really uh a simple guitar player and I, I don't really it kind of bores me to be honest uh but the banjo is is very exciting to me and it has the elements to where i can hear the bass line in my head uh, and I can pick stuff out uh, that kind of duplicates that and gives me the rhythm that I like and syncopate stuff with it. But what about you, Mike? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, we were just talking about this two days ago uh, because it's 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 a really common thing for bass players to play banjo. I've got so many friends that are great bass players and also like amazing banjo players. I, there's some sort of uh, weird, like kind of symbiosis thing, but it is. It's, it's a very. They're both very percussive instruments, and I think it's you know where you know guitar players are focused on chords and and things. In banjo players, it's more of a picked out melody, you know. So, so I think you know some bass players kind of take to that, you know. But yeah, I've. It's funny. I played. I played bass for so many years, and I thought that that was going to be what I would do with my life: is be a professional bass player. I went to, you know, school for it and all sorts of, you know, stuff. Not a wise investment, but you know, <laughs> but I learned a lot as far as that goes. But um, but yeah, there's some there's some weird crossover. You know, I think it it became. For me, writing songs was the, the transition because I wanted to write songs. I felt like, you know, at first I was like on track to be like a jazz musician or a studio bass player or whatever. And, you know, when it came to that, you know, I found it was harder to connect with people through instrumental music, you know. So I started to sing and write songs. And that's where I found a connection with people and like, I don't know, playing bass and singing songs i mean it works for sting i guess but you know it wasn't it wasn't like in my like desired sound you know i kind of discovered the banjo just at that time and like and uh you know it i was so excited about playing something new and fresh that I, it just you know birthed a lot of songs right away and i was like okay 
you know, I mean, this is almost 20 years ago, probably, you know, and now it's like pretty much all I do. So, yeah, when you, you know, when you hit a banjo and you and you strum it, it goes away a lot quicker than a guitar. So it forces <laughs> yeah. you it forces you into, uh, you know, using your, your fingers percussively to to produce stuff and keep that melody going. Or you also do what me and Mike do and you hear stuff in your head and realize there's something out there that can help you get what's out of in, in your head out into other people's ears while still playing the song. You want something that lingers on. Uh, but it's it's natural, I think, because bass is the same way. You don't usually hit. Uh, I mean, I've, I've done songs where you hit it and let it ring out for a while. Like, there's a lot of that on my, my record right now. But uh, but most of the times, you know, there's that expression, dumb eights. And that's like, you know, if you listen to, uh, you know, ACDC, those are dumb eights on the bass. You know, <laughs> bum, 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 bum. You know, it's going dumb, 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 dumb. You know, so it's kind of. It's, it's kind of the same thing with the banjo. You got to keep moving on it to keep going. And I think a bass player kind of understands that, uh, you know, with a lot of guitar players that go from electric guitar, uh, this, you know, all of a sudden they, they don't have the, the sustain they have, you know. Yeah. I, I think you might both uh, legit just make me want to try banjo because I think I'm an okay <laughs> bass player, but a shitty guitar player. I'm kind of the yeah. same way. I play power chords. There you on go, guitar. man. I feel like I'm a decent bass player. I, I need to, I think you truly both, I think next instrument I need to try might be bass. Great to, great to experience it, man, and put your head in a different place. It's kind of like uh, when I was taking, I took French class when I was a little kid and uh, cause I was in it for the cheese in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, it's like <laughs> that. they had cheese every Friday. I was like, hell yeah. You know, thinking, when am I going to go to France? Or so anyways, I didn't take a language class for a long time. And uh, then I started going down to South America and uh, started to try and learn Spanish. And every time I would reach back into my brain, uh, French words would come out that I hadn't thought about in years and years. And I think it's kind of interesting when you pull out the banjo, what it does to your brain as far as your what you've been doing musically for years and years. It kind of taps into some different stuff, you know. The like. I mean, both of you get experimental, obviously, with banjo, and you do a lot of things with it that, yeah, in like life. a traditional <laughs> banjo player may not. Like, was that – I was kind of interested in this. Like, for both of you, like, did that come in – right? like, were you messing around with pedals and different things right away with banjo, or did, like, somewhere in there you started getting a little more experimental and, like, changing it up? I started with a wah. That was it. I mean, like, my first <laughs> thing I ever ran it through was a wah. And uh, no, I, after after that, I started building on some stuff when I started trying to write songs and wanted stuff to go on. But I, I tried to, you know, I, I was listening to bluegrass and picking along and, you know, I, I still can't play claw hammer. I mean, it sounds like I do sometimes, but I'm not trying to. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Mike? Uh, I mean, for me, it's been quite a, quite a journey. I've always been like a musician that's always uh, like searching beyond the traditional thing you know like you know back when i was like early in my days playing bass like you know les claypool was like my hero and that guy you know he was kind of doing very banjoey things on his bass you know a lot of strumming a lot of almost like a claw hammer downstroke thing that he does and i was way into like you know i always felt a lot of rhythm you know and i wanted to express that in my playing but you know as far as going back and 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 forth you know i think 
playing banjo has made me a better bass player, you know, because oh. I, I now, now I, I get like my, I get my jiggles out, you know what I'm saying? When it comes to like playing banjo and stuff. And when it comes to bass, I can really kind of lay into what the, what the groove is and, you know, without having to play a lot of the extra things that I think, you know, but you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The, the technique has evolved with necessity, you know, for me, because in the beginning when I had a, a four piece band, I was just trying to make my banjo louder, you know, so it didn't feed back. And that was my main goal. And like by putting a, a guitar humbucker in there, uh, that helped, you know, then when I did that, I could put a distortion pedal on. Oh, that sounds pretty good. You know, then I figure out that, you know, if I, um, you know, put it through an octave pedal, I, I could play bass on it. I'm like, okay, cool. Then like, you know, back in the early days I was bringing, when I was doing like my solo shows, I would bring like a little floor tom and I'd make beats on the floor tom. And, uh, you know, and then I'd have beats for my song, but then, you know, I left it on the curb in New York city one day before my gig. And I went to the gig and realized that I didn't bring it with me. It was on the curb. And, but I had the stick, I had the mallet that I was playing the drum with. So I started kind of tapping on my banjo with the mallet and I was like, oh, this sounds pretty good. I put an octave pedal on it. It's like, kind of sounds like a bass drum. Then I started really messing with that. You know, when I realized that I couldn't, that I, I wasn't breaking it. And, uh, you know, since then it's just kind of evolved into what else can I do? You know, what other kind of sounds can I make with this thing? So I don't, A, have to rely on a band and B, so I can push the boundaries of what I'm personally capable of, you know, as far as, you know, the loop, loop technology has always helped me because, it's always helped me like write and throw my ideas down really quickly. So I don't have to write them down or remember them, you know, and build on that. So being able to like, you know, loop for me has always been like a compositional, but is also a performative thing, you know, where I can realize my ideas in real time and just plant a seed and watch it bloom into something, you know, but yeah, that's kind of where it's all evolved for me. When I use loops, uh, I use them in a different way. I think that's why it's fun to see how he uses them. But I record uh, like kind of more textural tracks with mine uh, and play on top of them. And he's like, actually jamming and building songs while you watch them live, uh, building off of the loopers and stuff like that. Where I'm, I'm using it as like an orchestra to me, but to, to go on behind with what I'm playing and, uh, and play the stuff that, uh, that I hear in my head again that I can't I can't get that noise out of my dry banjo. Uh, so, but uh, but I've, I've been I've been learning on what what Mike does. I'm gonna I already <laughs> bought one of those loopers, man. I haven't bought the mallets yet. But look I'm out, gonna... man! Look out! <laughs> <laughs> I I want to ask. I like asking this of people who just finished doing a new record. And I don't know, maybe not, because again, a lot of improv going into Ponder Machine. But was there any just pain in the ass moments recording, like something that just wouldn't come out the way you wanted it to something that just for whatever reason, wasn't sounding like you heard it in your head. I mean, was there, or anything, was there just some kind of bump in the road, pain in the ass moment of recording or no, not really. I didn't get any of those. I'd say Kramer was our only bump in the road, but he was driving the ship. <laughs> <laughs> no man it was quite a, it, we had a lot of fun it was you know Kramer's such a character we speaking of him. he's right here man Look hey buddy there he is Mama, oh. 
Kramer. Wow. Interview bomb. <laughs> he just showed up, man. He just showed up at the magical time. Well, nice. he said he was going to be here too, so yeah, I guess that's true. That's funny. Here. That's funny. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only, I think the only bump in the road that we had was trying to figure out what we were doing, like what we were making, like putting, trying to put an idea on top of it was the the, the only thing, you know, because JD and I had a bunch of songs that we had worked on and stuff, and and none of those were kind of bubbling to the top. The stuff that was bubbling to the top was all this like fresh cheese we didn't understand at the time and uh you know luckily that kramer was there to say oh this this is good you know stinky cheese we need some of this on this record and that's what you know it became a a, a bouquet of stinky cheeses i believe you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. as far as you know and then you know the other stuff that you know that we didn't prioritize or we didn't like kind of focus on is also going to come out and it's a that's a different kind of cheese it's it's fun but yeah you know it was fun it was fun you know for three dudes that didn't really know each other that well to like be in my tiny studio in uh in august with our you know sweating our asses off and kind of you know getting all psychedelic with it you know you might it was hear the fun. fan on a couple of tracks <laughs> fan? definitely the fan we forgot to turn off or you know but, but hey you know it's, it's real stuff and that was that went back to what we were talking about caring about the perfect snare so uh yeah uh, we we'd rather be comfortable and and uh and be be organic about it you know it's true i don't think there's any drums on this where on ponder machine at all that, that maybe nope. a just uh you playing on your uh playing you did a uh you know the the, the percussion yeah uh, just the banjo drums and some percussion yeah. and stuff but yeah it's, yeah, it's high, like, high on the yeah. mountain yeah yeah could you ever see i mean I, I i don't know i assume you haven't played shows as this i mean could you ever see this project being something you play shows or anything like that or you think it's strictly kind of a studio project we're way ahead of you man <laughs> <laughs> This wasn't we're, we're my original talking, idea. We're talking yeah. about uh, we're talking about January, uh, late January, February, right now, trying to do yeah. a little run. And uh, again, I'm nervous and excited because I can't keep up with him. He's too good, man. So we'll have to, <laughs> he'll have to dumb it down. We'll have to meet somewhere in the middle. He'll oh, push man. me a little, and I'll pull him a little back. You know. <laughs> but I, I'm looking forward to it. I think we're gonna. Uh, it's gonna be a great, great, uh, great show. Great experience and. Uh, uh, yeah. we, I, I like working with Mike, and uh, you know, we're good. I think we're a good team. We'll come up with something that's worthwhile when we go out together. Yeah, yeah, right. I think it's gonna be fun. It'll be a kind of a nice juxtaposition of what JD does and what I do and what we can do together. For banjo nerds, it'll definitely be something different. You know that that you won't see very often. So. It's fun. It's it's nice to have a kindred spirit in, in JD as far as that. Because sometimes I do feel a little alone in this world of experimental, you know, psychedelic banjo music. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... There's not yeah. a big convention for this, you know. Yeah, you can't go to I've, Marriott. Been, I've, been lucky. I've been lucky to get out on the road with, like, some, some people I sound nothing like at all. And, I, you know, I get in front of... A, I play with Clutch Helmet and Quicksand on a tour. And you know, I wasn't even on the bill sometimes, like on the on at the outside, so or on the ticket. So people would come in and be like, "What's this old prospector doing up here with the pinpoint PowerPoint presentation, playing banjo before this rock band?" 
open for sleep and stuff. But yeah, you end up like, you know, we don't really have peers other than each other. And, you know, there's maybe a few folks out there that would be like, yeah, let's do a tour together. You know, it's just kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I love playing in front of any kind of any kind of crowd that's out there. I'm not afraid of, of uh, doing what I do in front of anybody. So I think if you do some pure music in front of people, you're going to find, uh, you know, that's really from your soul. People, you're going to find people in any crowd that are going to relate to it, you know. Okay. But, yeah. but what Mike's saying is sometimes you just feel like you're on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> and <laughs> much longer than a three-hour tour of like, I know, what the fuck man. am I doing? <laughs> I know the algorithm doesn't know what to do with this, man. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, is the? <laughs> I mean, you live so close together. I mean, who you couldn't ask for a better uh, connection there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it worked out nice that way. But yeah, uh, you know, as we uh, we start to close this out, I know you got Kramer there, but as we kind of start to. Uh, close out the interview i mean anything else besides uh this new album that uh either i mean we're talking you got you got new music coming with uh tall tall trees but like anything else this second half of 2023 in the world of uh mike and jd you can tell people about or you got going on i'm gonna be doing some touring myself and uh and all the way up through when i go touring with with him i'll be on and off on the road trying to finish up my album here so it comes out in march and Mike's got his new album coming out, so I know he's got shows to support that coming up. Yeah, I'll be touring in October, uh, mostly all East Coast, up and down, Northeast, Southeast, for the meantime. And then, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what we'll be focused on. Maybe we'll get together, and I think as a, maybe a little preview for our tour, maybe we can record uh, some live uh, stuff down here in the studio, um, or maybe up on your deck. Yeah, we need some live ponder machine, uh, some tasty tastes. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm 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 deep in record production right now, so trying to get or not production marketing, all the the dumb stuff. So yeah, trying to get people to listen to all this new music is um, you know is the focus. You know? I'm gonna, he's so desperate. I'm gonna I'm gonna direct his next video. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's gonna <laughs> it's not a moment of desperation at all totally artistic choice of course but uh yeah you know we're just trying you know i've also i'm going out on tour with uh kishibashi in november as well kishibashi is another uh project that i i work with my friend um has a yeah kishibashi people may know but yep but i'll be on tour with them in uh november and then yeah Hopefully out on the road this winter down south with, with Pincus. And uh, who knows from there, you know, maybe a ponder machine too. Yeah, nice. I think everybody can drink is our next record. Everybody can drink. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> I know I'm happy to hear. I was going to ask if this was kind of one-off thing, but I mean, it sounds like you have more than enough music already ready for another one. I mean, it seems I've got, it's I've got songs. Now that I know kind of what we're doing, I do have some some more stuff ready to go. Uh, yeah. To throw at these guys, anyways, and see where you know, see what sticks to the wall. It'd be fun, yeah. I think the world needs more psychedelic banjo music, don't you? <laughs> All agreed, totally agree. Where, <laughs> uh, where should we send people now? To uh, you know, where are you online? Where do we get the uh, new record, Ponder Machine? Where do we send the good people now? That's a really good question. I mean, 
of course, talltalltrees.com, jdpinkus.com. Those are direct avenues to all the things that we're doing. Uh, shimmydisc.com if you want to buy directly from the label, which is always a great thing to do. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I've got a pretty banging LinkedIn page going right now. If you want to check that out. Uh, yeah. Someone told me they sent me like four messages on LinkedIn. I was like, dude, I don't think I've been on that thing for 20 years. Man. <laughs> no, man, you're linked out. <laughs> it, still says, it still says I'm a, uh, it says I'm a, uh, uh, a face painter slash prison clown, prison rodeo clown. I think that's what it says on there. Yeah. Well, you're being modest, man. You know, I mean, you've done so much. <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah, supposedly on the uh, Ponder machine, I think all the clear vinyl is sold out. And what was left nice. were some of the black uh, numbered ones, mm -hmm. uh, I think is the dealio or something like that. So, uh, so yeah, hurry up and get them before they're gone. They're selling yeah. like hot cake. <laughs> 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 nice, nice as we uh i mean as we as we close out here anything else did we miss anything or uh or shall we play the good people a couple songs off ponder machine now yeah do it nice nice yeah, i said play a couple songs off it although uh, we named them at the last minute so i would have no idea which song you're playing <laughs> i don't know either yet, actually I'm <laughs> throw a track four. To, I'm not. I'm not sure yet. Actually, I got to pick what songs we're going to play after this. So it's a mystery to all of us, except for the listeners. Whoever's listening right now, you're about to find out what songs we go with. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, great talking to both of you. We got Mike Savino, we got JD Pincus, and they got a brand new record out. It is Ponder Machine it is out now everywhere, and you're tuned in to the Power Chord Hour.
So he's playing.